Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I'm kind of old school. I think you, you know, you you play, you get you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job, and just do it and let the chips fall where they may. Um, I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. I, uh, again, I think it's a different day and time, and um, it'll be interesting to see how the, the organization handles it. So did Brett Favre just try to shove Deshaun Watson in a corner? Yep. Sucks, Brent. Sucks when your heroes start letting you down, you know? I guess you either live long enough to... <laughs> you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. And that's what I'm going through right now with Brett Favre. Well, here's the deal, though. Are we, are, are, are we on Team Favre right now? No, no, no. I can't wait to you spin this one. Well, I just don't also know if we all have to... There's a certain way you can say it, but I also don't know if we all have to have the same exact opinion. I mean, I think player empowerment is a real thing that sure. we've discussed a lot on our show. And you're a former player, but I'm not sure everybody agrees that the amount of player empowerment that might be happening or the level of it is is a good thing for sports. So, like, do people mm-hmm. like – some people don't like the NBA because of what? Player empowerment. Yeah. Because they're build, the players are building the, the teams. There is no GM. We've talked about that. Again, I, I think player empowerment is a good – you're paying a lot of money. They are now, to me, big-time athletes are like actors, right? Mm-hmm. And actors have a lot of say in what they want to do. They get the green room the way they want it. They get to pick what movie they want to do. They, you know, they get what they want because they're big-time athletes. And so I think – that's kind. I'm sorry, big time actors. I think that's what the athlete is now, uh, a little bit more. And so but, I don't mind it. I see what's happening, but I don't think we all have to agree that player empowerment is a good thing for sport. Oh uh, no, I mean, listen, I'm not gonna tell anybody what they want to believe. Y- y'all can stay in your own lanes and believe what you want to believe. But I think that when Brett Favre refers to the fact and he defers to, the, well, he makes a lot of money, so he should be thankful for that. Like, just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean you can't voice your opinion, doesn't mean you can't have a leadership role, doesn't mean that people shouldn't listen to you. If I'm not mistaken, we had a president in the past couple of years who made a lot of money, who probably got in the position of power because of a lot of that money, right? So if, if it's good enough to be a president, why can't you be an athlete and speak your piece and speak your mind if you make a lot of money? Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's good. It's a good conversation. I just want to make sure, like, um, I don't really like the way – I don't think – I think you're right. I, I think – you can still have a powerful voice. You can change the game. You sh- you still should. In fact, you should be the you're the leader of that organization if you're Deshaun Watson. This is why I disagree with Favre the most. Not necessarily he makes money, but he's the he's the face of the organization. So you're asking me to be the face of the organization. Sure. Well, then I'm asking you to run the organization the right way. Mm-hmm. And part of that is communication. Mm-hmm. You're asking me to do more than the average player mm-hmm. as a quarterback. You are. You're asking you're ask me to be the guy. I have to handle my business the right way. I have to watch what I say a lot in general, not necessarily in this situation, but in general. And 
I have to communicate to you what I think is right, wrong. I'm, I'm giving my input. Well, you needed to communicate to me because that's the big problem with the Watson thing in Houston. It's all about communication. They told him they were going to involve him in the process. They didn't. Even when they didn't, they still didn't tell him before he read it in the media mm-hmm. what was going on with the, their front office. Mm-hmm. So that's the major hiccup between Houston and Watson. And so I think Watson has every right to be doing what he's doing. Uh, and what what the interesting part is, will he allow it to be smoothed over if they try to? And I don't think he will. I, I don't think that's going to be a two-way street in that regard. Listen, I I think that relationship, it, it's over. Um, he's not going to be able to, to salvage anything with that team, so you might as well trade him and just wash your hands of it because there's no way. And listen, I always compare it to this. I understand that we put professional athletes on a pedestal, whether it's the money, the fame, um, you know, the, the influence. Like, yes, they're on a pedestal. But at the same time, you got to ask yourself, whether you're working at a fast food restaurant or a Fortune 500 company, if you don't like your boss or if you think, feel like that uh, the, the culture there is toxic and you have the opportunity to go someplace else a hundred out of a hundred people will take that opportunity to go someplace else yeah you'd be a fool to stay where you're at if you're miserable this is what deshaun watson's doing right now and i understand it's football so it's a little different but deshaun watson is trying to flex right now and say you know what i want out of this culture i want out of this toxic environment and i'm going someplace else it's really interesting Favre would bring it up in this context because he's a guy that did things kind of unorthodox you know, oh, he I'm would sorry. Be, Do you mean hold out for every single training camp and then show up when the season starts? Absolutely. Right. I mean, I mean what are we he, talking he kept about? The whole organization, you know, waiting. Yeah. And by the way, they were paying you a lot of money, Brad, at the time. Yeah. That was a lot of money. Yeah. And then he obviously goes and, and makes a couple other stops. It's not like he was at the end. Well, he tried to be more loyal to Green Bay. I guess they were a little less loyal in the end. That's why he ended up going to Minnesota. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he kept an organization waiting <laughs> for four years. Like, what's the difference? Yeah. Right? That was player empowerment at that time. He had the right. Mm-hmm. He had the right to, he had built up enough equity and enough leverage to say, you'll wait for me until I decide if I'm in the right frame of mind to go. Yeah. Which, by the way, I didn't have a problem with him doing that at the time either, but I don't really know what the big difference is Brett Favre making a ton of money, keeping them waiting and wondering whether they should move on or not. Well, or Deshaun Watson saying, hey, I don't like what's going on here. I'm out of here. And, yeah, I'm making a lot of money, but I don't want to be here. And and I can't reiterate this enough, that this is a hero that I'm going after right now, Brent. And I don't appreciate it. I don't enjoy it. My childhood, um, my inner child is hurting right now. But what's worse? Hanging your team out every single year to dry and say, I might come back, I might not. Leaving your teammates out to dry, leaving the organization out to dry, or being Deshaun Watson and say, you know what, we had some good times here, I want out. Okay, I'm not going to be cryptic about this, I want out, I'm done here. To me, what Favre did was worse than what Watson's doing. Yeah, it's a good point because Watson, if he wanted to do it the Favre way, wouldn't tell everybody he wants out until August. Exactly. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden a little back injury would flare up, and now you are it's a mess. It's bad optics. Marcel Robinson joins us, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Marcel running all over the place for uh, signing day day. We'll get to that in a moment, but... Robinson, I need a deadline if you're going to go somewhere else. That's what this moral of the story is, all right? Guy wearing a hat like that. I know it's not pictured uh, because looking you're looking good, though, you're, man. You're looking sharp. Look. You're looking cold, as cold gets in Jacksonville. Uh, but I'm going to need you to uh, give us a good heads up and not pull a Brett Favre <laughs> or Deshaun Watson in the Action Sports Shacks department. I think that's an easy request. I think I can do that. I can do that. There's, I, can, I can assure you there are, there are no uh, – no plans, nothing in the works that would 
lead anyone to believe that that's coming on the horizon, but I would definitely uh, say that will be, that's an easy request to accommodate. How's, how, how, how's your back feeling real quick? You okay? Yeah. Is the back okay? Back's all right. Back's all right. Okay. Hey, are you mad? Oh, 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 it's been a little tight. tight. We have that on record. Are you, mad at, are you mad at management at all? <laughs> <laughs> Careful, they might be listening. Yeah, they're always listening. <laughs> hey, let's bring Steven in right now. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, what's happening, Steven? What you got today? Marcel joins the conversation. Hey, not too much, guys. Heard you guys making fun of me yesterday. Didn't appreciate that. Uh, but, no, my question is, I'm sure everybody saw the tweet about uh, Zachary Orr getting signed as the outside linebacker coach, which in uh, my eyes that kind of figures out the whole Charlie Strong issue. He might be the inside linebacker uh, coordinator, which probably gives sight of a 3-4 setup. But one rumor you guys uh, didn't bring up, if you haven't seen it, is they're considering bringing the offensive coordinator from Penn State as our tight ends coach, yep, which he might give his two cents on, hey, going Pat Freemuth at either 33 or 45. All right, man. Appreciate yeah, wait, wait a second. Well, listen, man, we're not making fun of you, okay? I just want to know how much are Curtis Samuels people paying you to keep mentioning him on our show? Hey, I I suggested it. And I repeated a tweet. If they don't go after him, so what? I got you. Steven, $100, we appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. Uh, here's where I'm at with the whole or stuff uh, with uh, Charlie Strong. It looks like it's all happening, right? It's a, Everybody else is reporting it except for the Jags. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the Penn State connection. That's an interesting call right there because that, that's a position of need. The bottom line is whatever the input is from that tight ends coach, they need to make a jump at the tight end spot. But Correct. when it comes to Orr and Strong and where they are outside, inside, all this stuff, i, I got to be honest with you, I am to the point where let me just see the email. <laughs> right? I've heard enough yeah. for three weeks, and then we'll, we'll, we'll give it an A, a B, a C, whatever it is on the staff once we see it all in conclusion. But at the end of the day, the tight end spot, I mean, I'm ready to put Marcel Robinson out there at tight end. Let's I go. Did, I did play tight end when I played some semi-pro football, so I got some experience. I'm a, I'm, I, can, I can block and release. Come on now. Whoa, uh, time out. You, you are the epitome of a move tight end. I was going to say, okay. I mean, Mercedes <laughs> I mean, Lewis, I'm not sure if we're talking that much. Listen, look, if look. Kyle Pitts is listed as a tight end, you got a chance. <laughs> but if you're thinking you're doing the Gronk thing, no, get no, out no, of no, here. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm an easy chip and go guy. I'm, chip and go guy. A little help a guy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Don't expect me to put him down. Just slow him down a little bit. Just, gosh, can you just get better at tight end? I mean, you here we to. are again, all right? I mean, you, you got Gronk. Gronk's whatever right now, to be honest with you. I, I, yeah, he's... Are you scared of Gronk if you're the okay. Chiefs in the so, Super Bowl? So, but, 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 are you okay. afraid of him? Here's the point I'm going to make, though. Right now, where it sits, name me the top five tight ends in the NFL. Uh, here we go. Uh, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd put Kittle in. I know he's hurt. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, what does it stop there? Uh, kind of proving my point, but keep going. Yeah, there's not many. Hunter Henry, if he's healthy. Okay. When healthy. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the number three. Um, Austin Hooper didn't deliver this year, but if you look at the last collection of the last handful of years, I think he's so. Kinda, so now we're going off salaries, okay? No, Evan Ingram. Last year is good. Uh, yeah, I'd put him in the upper echelon. When healthy. Tanyan has to be. I just don't yeah. know if anybody else would think that, you True. know. I mean, if Robert Tanyan's playing on the Jaguars, is he putting up Tanyan numbers? Is he going to be putting up, you know? You know who's surprisingly still playing well? Which he looks, he kind of looks like Mercedes Lewis to me uh, in the sense that he's, when he runs, it's it's like, okay, he's getting old, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's Cook. 
He just Jared does, Cook. Jared yeah. Cook this, but he gets it done. He but he just kind of looks. I guess today's tight end looks so different, right? Travis Kelsey, mm. you're looking at guys like that and the way they run and they run over people. And Cook doesn't seem like he, he almost looks like a deer. So, yeah. <laughs> you know? so the, the, this is the this is the point that I was trying to make though, Brent. Is like, and I get it. Robert Tynion might be a top five guy, yeah. but against that Tampa Bay team, he de vanished. Right? No, you're like, right. like I you're feel right. like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, they're always going to get you're the right. ball thrown to them. Yeah, right? The game planning around them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Waller, by the way. Well, oh, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I, that's, Waller, that's my yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah Darren Waller, Waller for sure. So yeah. three guys for sure. They're going to get their reps. They're going to get their catches every single game. Get their targets. But my point is. Unless you're those three guys, or yeah. maybe if you want to throw Tanyan in there, maybe if you want to throw Ingram in there. Besides that, it's kind of a crapshoot. It so is, like, but don't all the teams have, like, I mean, Ertz is still effective. Cook, mm. we're talking, is effective, right? Johnu Smith has been effective for them. Yeah. Uh, you See, know, but to me, like, Gronk fits that mold, though. Like, when they need him to be effective, yeah. he's effective. But they don't really need him to be what he used to be because they have so many weapons at their disposal. I look at the – there was a couple plays. I forget what game it was. Maybe it was the first – playoff game and Brady threw these uh, we talked about this on the show Brady mm-hmm. threw a couple passes in a spot one was in the end zone I remember but one was deep down the field and it was like just missed the fingertips of of Gronk and I was like I, I it looks like an overthrow right it looks like he just missed him just mm-hmm. overthrew him and I don't know if I buy it I think he threw it to the spot where he always throws it, and I think Gronk just couldn't get there mm-hmm. I think that's the difference you know so that's kind of way I think about Gronk now now if you throw him a ball you know in the open field he's still going to be able to Pick up twenty yeah. something yards. He's gonna catch it. It's not like he's dropping things. I think he's still valuable. What I said used to be afraid of Gronk. Think about in seventeen, how much conversation we had in the AFC Championship game about Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. and who was gonna guard him, right? Yeah. And Jalen Ramsey and Tayshawn Gibson and what were you gonna double him? What were you gonna do to him? There's none of that conversation. I guess that's my point, right? I mean, I'm not afraid of Rob Gronkowski. Do you guys you want to hear the craziest stat of the day? Do you think Rob Gronkowski's probably on the back nine of his career, right? Well, no doubt. Like, I would call it the twilight. Like, you know, that famous Roger Clemens quote? Yeah, he's he's obviously seasoned. How old is Rob Gronkowski? You guys know? Oh, I bet he's only like 32. 31 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know how old Travis Kelsey is? Well, you came in with... Uh, when you were there, so I've been 13, so that's about eight years in, probably 30, 29. Travis Kelsey's 31 years old. 31. They're like the exact same age. Wow. But we talk about Gronk being on the back nine of his career, obviously the injuries and the hip and all that stuff, and we talk about Kelsey kind of coming in his own right now. How that's, crazy is that? That is unbelievable, really, from a visual standpoint. Is that because Kelsey doesn't really block? Because Gronk really did block a lot. I think, oh, I, mean, a I, think, I think that has a lot to do with it. I think I think if you put the two two and two together, I think Gronk, Gronk clearly has more miles on his tires. I mean, from yeah. from being you know, the focal point guy for so long and, and taking so many hits and the injuries and just literally being a guy that's been you know battered and beaten around so much, I think it's clearly uh, a reason why you know they're clearly at the same age but different points in their career for yeah. sure. Yeah, it goes to show you. Wow, like, that's wild. I mean, if you're a tight end, and I get it, like they're. I mean, listen, from a former player's perspective, I have nothing but respect for guys like Rob Gronkowski, guys like Mercedes Lewis, because they're the dual threat guys. They yeah. can block and they can catch. Um, that's a throwback type of philosophy, right? But like, if you're a tight end coming in the league, I mean, if you're in those if you're in those goal line packages, you kind of go on the coach being like, hey man. You know, like, we got somebody else for that. Go yeah, and get me yeah. out wide and get That's me true. out on, like, a safety or one-on-one because I don't really need to do all this blocking That's really stuff. a good question when we yeah. talk tight ends. It's to ask, like, is that the way it's going? Like, that old school, you wouldn't do that. You yeah. want to be in on that, but you might not now. Like, you might save almost like reps of a pitcher, right? I mm-hmm. mean, they have a pitch count. The tight end, it's a demanding position. I forget who we had on. said it was. It's probably the most difficult position to play. Hayden Hurst? Was it Hayden? I'm not sure. It might have been Hayden. I don't know if it was a coach or not, but in the last year they said it might be the most intricate and difficult position to play Mm -hmm. on the field because of the 
knowing the the blocking schemes, right, and everything you got to do up front, but now you have to be able to do it in the pass game. I mean, think about it. not vilified, but at times maligned Mercedes Lewis was here because he didn't catch enough passes yeah. in, in a day and age where Antonio Gates and all these guys and Rob Gronkowski were. Well, he's still getting it done, and they don't vilify him in Green Bay, I can tell you that. Yeah. I mean, they don't malign him there. They, they, Aaron Rodgers loves the guy. Yeah, he speaks they, highly of him all the time. They love the guy. Yeah. So, I mean, we were probably in the wrong, but that's the way the position was going. But to do both, one, it takes a toll on your body, and two, you have to be – it's it's an intricate position. And you just don't think of it because the reason why I don't think a tight end being in that kind of position is guys like Antonio Gates have gone from playing basketball to it. It's like, hey, <laughs> you can't fit here in the NFL. You can't play quarterback. Go play tight end. You can't play – go play tight end. Like Jimmy Graham? If I didn't have a position, they'd tell me to go play tight end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and listen, I think it's a testament, too, with like Kyle Pitts. Well, he's a little undersized. You know, how is he against the run game? I'll be honest with you. I think the way tight ends are utilized now, you're not concerned about that anymore. Like, what was the big draw of TJ Hawkinson a couple years ago? Well, this guy's a dual threat. He, he can yes. block and he can run. And you know what? He probably was the best tight end in the class, Noah Fant, maybe. But, like, I think those days are gone, Brent. Yeah. I think those days of this guy's great in the run game. He's also great in the – like, listen – is he tall? Is he big? Can he be a mismatch? Is he a good receiver? Yes, 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 yes. All right, let's take him then. What do you think about the way the position is more? Think about it in Jack. Like, I think Tyler Eifert did an okay job for Jacksonville this year. He's just not dynamic in the passing game. You know, yeah. I mean, I, like, he's not. They hope. Uh, <laughs> what's his name? What's his name? Hasn't played at all. San Jose State. Oh, Josh Oliver. Josh Oliver. Josh Oliver. Oh, yeah. Oliver. Forgot yeah. his name. Go, I haven't maybe seen him play. Should, maybe you should go to San Jose State <laughs> and do a story on him. You seem to forget a little bit. <laughs> But they hope Josh Oliver's the receiving tight end, Correct. the Waller kind of tight end. Like if he can ever stay healthy and on the field, um, maybe he can be that guy. But you better have the dynamic of it because if you have – you get the blocking tight end that can play fullback too. Right. That's now yeah. the nature of the position. That guy that you're going to have play fullback and play tight end isn't probably catching a lot of passes. So that's why you need four tight ends because you need one or two that can do a little bit of that dirty work and the other ones that you can make mismatches, mismatches with – but to your point, you're not finding Kelsey and Gronk very often. Yeah. It, you know, th- there's just not a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But there's more and more Wallers coming available. Yeah, they're not asking him to do much at the line of scrimmage. I don't think. True. Uh, uh, even the same thing with Kelsey as well. I mean, Kelsey, like every once in a while, but he's more finesse. Let's be honest, he's more finesse when yeah. it comes in the run game. It's funny because he feels more Gronk-ish. Well, that's the attitude there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and maybe it is. Maybe it's more the personality mm-hmm. that kind of blends into that. Hey, National Signing Day uh, all around the world uh, today. How was it? Uh, it was good. I mean, it's always it's always cool because I know some of the uh, the luster is taken out of the, this national signing day because of the early signing period. Um, but it, it, I mean, it's still pretty cool. Obviously, a lot of our big name guys they've all signed and gone on. Uh, but to see kind of a lot of these, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them secondary guys, but see other guys signing and their families there and just see the excitement. And I think out of the schools I went to, I think there was a good amount of, of tears being shed from the players. I won't mention any names, but. <laughs> you know, just that just that emotional aspect of it from you know the the parents and the and the signees and everything. It's all pretty cool. I listen. It's unbelievable, and and the journey now is longer and than it's ever been. It's more hard work than it's ever been. There's more competition than there's ever been, and now you add into it COVID nineteen world where there's a logjam on top of that. Mm-hmm. But there is so much on the student athlete today, the kid. Uh, because I just feel like their buddies might get an offer in ninth or tenth grade, and then you're like the pressure r- ratches up. You know, whether I don't think the parents necessarily do. I don't even think the coaches do. I think that's just the the kid as part of being a teenager. If my buddies got an offer from Michigan mm-hmm. or Florida or wherever, name the school, UCF doesn't have to be like power five. You're like, well, where's mine? 
Yeah. Where's mine, right? I'm mm-hmm. playing. Wait, I can play just with it. Like, there's that stuff that takes place. That's a lot for a kid, man. I always say it's it's tough. Even the, from upper echelon, five star guy to somebody just trying to play in college level, I think it's harder than it's ever been for the student athlete. I have such Whoa. an appreciation for for those kids, yeah. and I don't think I think people say, "Oh, look at that, it's awesome." You know, you get all these people call. How many people? Everybody we talk to. By the time this comes around, they're like, I'm so glad it's over. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Everything on. How can it be that great if you're so glad it's over? Mm-hmm. Yep. And especially nowadays, too, like you mentioned, Brent, like, with, with, I mean, with the pandemic, like, even being a kid's not normalized anymore. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's like proms or homecoming dances, like, things that I obviously took for granted when I was in high school. Like, those things have completely changed now. So, on top of worrying about getting a scholarship and getting an education paid for and playing collegiate sports, well, now you're trying to be a kid in an environment that doesn't really allow you to be a kid anymore. Yeah, so, it's definitely a rough, uh, a rough time. Yeah, don't you sense a little bit? You've done enough of this, Marcel, as you, you know, met some of the high schools today. It's almost like a sigh of relief. Yeah, I mean, anytime you ask any one of these kids, you know, how, you know, what, what's the standard question we always ask them? How does it feel to kind of get this, this letter signed and now you know where you're going and you're off and running? It's the first thing you always say is, I'm, I'm just glad it's over. You know, it's been such a long, uh, drawn out experience, you know, talking to coaches and just, and just having to weigh their decision and figuring out all these things and just to have it done and over with now they can just concentrate on, you know, the rest of the school year or for the early signing guys, you know, getting out of here, um, earlier. It, it's always great. And I think kind of to your point, like this year, obviously being, you know, more difficult just because of of COVID with, you know, most of these colleges allowing you know, kids to come back. You know, a lot of in previous years, obviously, you know when someone's leaving. You know, if they're a senior, you know they're leaving. But with NCAA allowing so many kids to come back, a lot of these kids got stuck in a situation where they committed. And it's like, oh, well, you know, we don't have a spot for you anymore because somebody's coming back and they don't, they're scrambling and it causes so much stress and everything like that. A lot of happy moms and dads along the way and coaches, too. I think the coaches are very prideful in this. I still think this is where... Uh, there's a mix, right? There's from travel ball to high school. It's interesting. I, I thought high school, I've had this perception that high school sports is kind of becoming less and less significant. And I think I'm not totally wrong on that. But I'll tell you, my kids are just about ready to go with baseball and softball. And it feels different. Mm-hmm. Now, I have no idea. I'm not out there. I've hardly been home. I'm yeah. just telling you, it feels different play in the high school sport than even the travel stuff. The travel stuff's competitive. It's There's a lot of great stuff to travel ball. So this isn't a knock on either or. But I do think, I think it's really a great sign for high school sports. I hope I'm right in feeling it this way that it's still very valuable. Yeah. Uh, from the stories you tell some 25 years from now, right? Because that's your buddies or your friends yep. that, that you're, you ended up playing ball with. Um to, to actually what it means, you know, and, and how much it can still help you uh, going forward. And for some, and by the way, it's it's okay this way, it's their last bit of competitive sports. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, too. Yeah. But uh, high school is the last stop for that uh, along the way. So uh, a couple of mentions as uh, we go to break. Trinity Christian, Lucius Lattimore going to Ford A&M. Football, Caleb Killian and Terrell Jackson. Air Force, how about that, both of them uh, from Trinity. Amaya Ross, really good softball player in the area going to Florida State. Morgan McMillan, softball to Jacksonville University. Reagan Griffiths to Southeastern. And Mackenzie Merrill, uh, softball as well, UNC Charlotte. Uh, we'll mention some more names along the way. We'll be back. Some potentially big news with COVID-19 and the Super Bowl when we come back on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. The beer that made Milwaukee famous. Giannis Kempo, Big sign. The deer that made Milwaukee famous. Brent Martineau. I can buy that. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm, all I'm throwing out there. 
I can definitely buy that. Hashtag and trademark. So if somebody tries to steal it, I'm suing you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean, it feels a lot better. Uh, I mean, having these two weeks to, to let it rest and heal up, um, especially being almost three weeks away from the uh, – over three weeks away from the, uh, the injury itself. Um, and if you look at, at those type of in, injuries, that kind of gives you the, the normal timeline. So uh, definitely every single day that I get the rest of it, it, it makes it even better. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty close to 100%. I'm sure by game day it will be. That is Patrick Mahomes. At least I heard about three seconds of it. I think it was Patrick Mahomes. Was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you would tell me if it wasn't. Honestly, if it was like Andy Reid, I probably wouldn't have and just let it be a thing. Uh, yeah, true. Brent Martino, Austin Lane, Coos, back in the studio. Good to be back. I'll tell you what, though. We had a really cool trip, fun trip. Uh, got the car washed today, which was big. We went from Cartersville, Georgia, all the way until somewhere in South Carolina before we saw 40 degrees again. It was cold. I mean, it's been chilly around here, too, but it's cold, snowy. Um, we got the winter effect, no doubt about it. But uh, some cool places, some cool people along the way. Uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. In fact, so much so that uh, we're going to get some news from Adam Schefter here in a moment about the Super Bowl. We'll continue some of our National Signing Day conversation as well. But I was telling I was telling uh, Austin that these I keep going back to the Ashtabula trip because Urban Meyer's buddies were really cool, you know, and. And they're they're good friends from back in high school. They know the story. You know they have stayed in town. Yeah. They are blue collar guys, man. Big Those are my sports type of fans. People, they, they you are, know what? They are anybody's type of people, you right? Be, you, I didn't go with you because I mean we would have been closing that bar down or whatever you, you guys were until two a.m. in the morning. Well, yeah, not so only that, but these are the guys with. you close down the bar and then maybe get in a brawl with too. At the, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure, they're those man. kind of guys yeah. like, in a good way. In yeah, a good way, of course, of and course. They, they were awesome, and so I, I still appreciate that about. Like Urban does not necessarily, if you, if you will, I'm going to kind of put my air quotes up, like live that life anymore. Yeah. He flies around on private jets. He makes millions of dollars. His bank account's huge. He, he can go on red carpets and black tie, you know, and not to say these guys can't do that. I'm, I don't know what's in their bank account. I'm just saying it's a blue collar town. You don't get that vibe there. But the fact that Urban has kept such close ties with these guys and there's loyalty to it. And it's, it's almost like when they're together, you get the sense. They don't care how much money the guy has, and he doesn't care how much they have or that they're back in Ashtabula, and he doesn't live the life. They don't live the life he lives necessarily. Yeah, It's just good old-fashioned friendship, uh, mm-hmm. which is really cool. And I there's, I hope I can do a good job of describing that when I put the story together because, to me, that was kind of the essence of it. And I don't think we see that part of Urban Meyer. Like we, The perception is not out there. We just had Sarah Spain on the last hour. That's not the perception of Urban Meyer. Yeah. You know, and I think – that part of the story isn't told a lot of Urban Meyer, maybe. Listen, and I can relate to that so much because, like, my closest friends are the friends that I grew up with back in Iola. You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're friends um, until the end. And the reason why, it's like I said, I kept them around, but, like, <laughs> the reason why we're still friends is because they always reminded me of where I came from. And they always, um, you know, made me humble. Like, to the point of, like, yeah, obviously when I got to the NFL, like, that was a big deal in my town. It was even a big deal to them. Like, they were proud. But, like, you better believe if I come back home rocking, like, a Louis Vuitton wallet or, like, a Louis Vuitton sneaker or something like that, like, they're going to be like, oh, dude, you changed. You got to take that off right now. That's not who you are. Um, 
And sometimes that's what you need. You know, sometimes you, you need those guys that, whether it's tough love or out of a good place of their hearts, but they, they hold the mirror and say, that's not who you are. You yeah. got to remember where you came from. And then that's why I'm blessed to still have my friends that I grew up with. And that's what makes, to me, um, a good set of friends in the first place. So I feel like Urban Meyer kind of has that same click around where they keep him honest, they keep him humble, and they remind him where he came yeah, from. Yeah, they can bust his chops. Of you know, course. like I can't bust Urban Meyer's chops. They can bust Urban Meyer's chops, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what you, that's cool. Like that. To me, that's a good thing. Uh, So on top of that, really, moral of the story real quick was I was telling you to break that they also in their class was a fellow by the name of John Spano. Well, go do a little work on John Spano, and you will see two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to who was in that 80-person class of 1982 in Ashtabula, Ohio. And Cliff's Notes version is Spano tried illegally to buy – the New York Islanders back in the late 90s. Correct. And almost pulled it off. Yes. Uh, it's, it wasn't the late. Was it late 90s? Yeah, it was mid to late 90s, I think it was. Yep. And it was back in 1996. There you go. I yes, thought so. Yes. So there's a 30 for 30 on it. Yeah. It's fantastic. And these guys are in it. Yeah. These guys are, I mean, they're like the, the local spokespersons. <laughs> you know? It's unbelievable. They talk Urban Meyer. They take us around town. They've also done the red carpet thing yeah. with 30 for 30 well, and in New York City. I was like, hey, hope you don't mind, but we're just buying you wings here at the Crow's no, Nest. We're not taking you to the red carpet. <laughs> and, and listen, this, this this 30 for 30 dropped back in 2013, so it's been a while. It's one of the very first 30 for 30s that actually dropped when they first started doing it. But check this out, right? Because this could be a motion picture. Like, the whole story about how he tried to con, essentially, yes. an NHL team um, into giving him their franchise when he had really nothing really in the bank. Uh, it's a story for the ages. Obviously, it doesn't end well for him. But, I mean, it's a great documentary. But I could see it being a movie one day, honestly. Well, I- I've talked to the guys, uh, and they didn't tell me all of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. But there's more stuff. Th- it, sh- it will be a movie someday. It like has his, to be. His, because he's been in jail now. He's been back to prison two other times. He went to prison after that. Yeah. He almost had the – he actually owned the Islanders yeah. at one time. Yeah. Go go watch the 30 for 30. It's, un- it's called Big Shot. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's like unfathomable, quite frankly. And since then, he went back to prison for another four-year stint after, like, serving time. Yeah. And now I think he's back in again. Uh, and so, pretty wild. Uh, I'm trying to see like what what this guy looks like to see who like would play him in a movie. Because I'm serious. Like, listen, oh, that's a good call. I mean, like, yeah. we've had You're better at that than me. We've had documentaries, but we we need actually like the. No, this real is a movie. real movie. This is a motion picture for this, sure. This this is definitely a movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, South Beach Gary joins us now. Let's talk a little bit National Signing Day Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, man? Hey guys, first of all, I wanted to mention one tight end you guys missed, Mike Kosecki of my Dolphins, one of the better tight ends. I, I go for Adam Shaheen instead of uh, Kosecki. Yeah. Ashley <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I was wondering, uh, I don't know if Marcel's still there with you, Brad. I was wondering uh, about Miami. You know, were they able to address any of their needs as far as the recruiting class? I know ESPN's got them like, like ranked in the top 12. But, guys, what's unbelievably alarming to me you look at Miami, 12, Florida, 13, you got to go all the way to 22, to Florida State. Could you ever imagine that they would fall a long-distant third? 
Yeah, that's a good call. And there's other two. Well, and and by the way, I appreciate it, South Beach, Gary. And you're right. Miami, you know, is is right. They were down in this yeah. for a while, you know, down. At, I don't know how far down they got, but it was like that question you just asked about Florida State. We've asked about Florida before in the last decade, and we've asked about Miami before. And you know me. I like Manny Diaz. I think he's doing a good job. They have the Eric King back, assuming he can get healthy. They got a huge blockbuster game against Alabama to open the year. And so both, most of not a lot changed South Beach, Gary, from December to today mm-hmm. with a lot of these big programs. And if you were in the top 10, top 15, not a lot changed. So Miami, I think, just finished up its business and feels pretty good, uh, you know, being top 12. I still think Miami would like to get even better than that. I think they'd like to be a top seven, eight, but that's a tough code to crack now. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Uh, you're talking, right, Florida is 10. Just think how, how much better Florida has been the last few years, you know, than maybe even Miami and, and Florida State, yet they are just 10. So Miami's closed the gap, and they've done a nice job. I think Manny Diaz is doing a great job there in South Florida. Well, and to me, obviously, we talk about Clemson. I mean, you know, they they are the coveted spot right now in the ACC, and Clemson finishes with a top-five recruiting class. It's all about Miami trying to close that gap a little bit, right? they, they got to close that bridge because, keep in mind, North Carolina is kind of like yes. up to a little bit. Yes. Um, I, Matt Brown, I mean, according to this, Yeah, according to this website, and once again, I mean, depends what you use here, but I'm on uh, 24-7 sports. North Carolina had the number 14 recruiting class this year, according to them. So, um, you know, they could be a contender in the ACC for years to come as well. I want to – let's see if I can find it. Uh, quick thought on, on Mike Norvell and Florida State. So, but to South Beach Gary's point, he's not wrong. He actually saw him at 22. I saw him at 28 today. And so it just depends which, you know, uh, outfit you're you're really Correct. seeing. What do you have? Uh, on 24-7 sports, we got 22 for Florida State. Okay, so I was looking, I think, at ESPN. But um, – I mean, it's they're having a bad year. That's a bad recruiting year. Now, Mike Norvell's been there, mm-hmm. and so you think year two you might be able to get better. It's not going to be the case. He actually did a nice job rescuing their class last year. Yeah. Uh, and their class last year, on the heels of Willie Taggart producing a lot of that, would be better than this year. This year's not going to be a good class. Here is a little bit of upside for the Florida State Seminoles, and we're rooting for you, Knowles fans, here on ESPN 690. <laughs> Football and basketball right here on ESPN 690 for Florida State. The upside is the 2022 class looks good. Already has a quarterback committed, has some uh, like five star, four star kind of guys. Doesn't have that kind of talent this year. Yeah. Like the five star, four. Well, I'm sure some four stars, but that five star guy doesn't exist. Uh, now there were they were waiting on a corner, um, and and I don't know if he's even announced yet uh, since we started on the show. But uh, I don't know if he, he Florida State was in the mix. But the bottom line is it's not going to be a good class. They are going to have to really coach up mm-hmm. and then. Just be ready, Knowles fans, that it ain't turning around right now. In the ACC, just think Florida State is seventh amongst ACC teams for this recruiting class. Sixth in some other, you know, reports, but seventh is the one I saw. What you, I mean, you just mentioned North Carolina. I'll give you Miami and Clemson. Who else would even be considered higher in the recruiting class in the ACC than the Florida State. Like, how do you even fall to seven in that conference? Yeah. NC State's doing better in yeah. recruiting than <laughs> Florida State? Listen, and I spoke on this a little bit, and it's starting to become the trend now. And it hurts me to say it. You know, and I get it. We're the official station of the Florida State Seminoles. But Florida State football right now, Brent, it seems like it's not the cool thing. It's right? not the cool thing. It, like, there used to be a time where that brand, the colors, the tradition, it meant something. And even when you had a couple bad seasons back-to-back, like, it was still Florida State, right? It's not going anywhere. 
I get to the point now, and even though there's been a new regime change and there's another coach, and we'll see what happens with him with Norvell, but I just feel like now student-athletes are starting to come around and say, you know what, I don't care about the tradition. I don't care about what it used to be. I don't care about what Bowden did. I don't. Who are these guys? I don't care. All I care about is right now, and right now Florida State, it's not the cool thing. Yeah, it's it, well. Here's where so Mike Norvell and, and uh, uh, Glenn in Florida, I think on Periscope, I just saw this and he's right. And I was getting to this. They did what Mike Norvell knew that they were going to be a little like this year in the class, mm-hmm. and so he went to the transfer portal and included in the transfer p- portal is Mackenzie Milton. Now listen, I love the idea of Mackenzie Milton. Everybody should, but we really don't know. Let's be honest with ourselves, right? There's going to be this giant question mark coming off a gruesome injury of whether he can do it again and play like he did and also at this level i mean he was playing a group of five which by the way when he was playing group of five he could have fit the acc and and some of these big conferences they were that good so i'm not knocking the kid i just think he comes with a big question mark i love it i think it should create a buzz um but as my buddy chris morgan just reminded me that 22 class that i was just taunting uh touting i was taunting the 21 (laughs) class touting the 22 class uh 22 class is sixth right now nationally so that's where they need to be Mm-hmm. But I'm just warning you, Florida State fan, that the portals are always a question well, mark. They're it's, sixth it's, right now. Yeah, sixth let's right see, now. But let's, see how finish season, it let's see how that season turns out and, first. And so you got to creep up on some momentum. you yeah. got to find some momentum. I'm just saying my, the moral of the story for me is it's okay if it takes a little time. It's amazing how far down you end up going. And, again, Florida fans, you did it too. Miami yeah. fans, you did it too. And Florida State's now in that cycle where they drop, 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 and now they have to climb their way out of it. But I really think it comes back to the coaching. We're going to find out. Mike Norvell has a big job ahead of him. How much can he rescue this thing? I think the folks in Tallahassee are going to be patient. I've said it before. I think they've got the right guy. But it's going to take a little bit, whether you like it or not, Florida State. And hopefully the transfer portal guys fit and they and they, and they they mix in nicely and they contribute nicely. And that equals some wins to get momentum and keep that sixth-ranked class that will be uh, very important. By the way, Florida didn't do much today because they didn't have to. They were already pretty much locked up, yeah. uh, and they are 10th in this year's class. One other note, Alabama, I said at the top of the show, Alabama, best class they've ever had. I mean, I don't even know how they can – what does that mean? <laughs> like, they have great classes every year. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's catching up to Alabama. Listen, I, I want to stay in the ACC real quick, and I want to ask you this one question, Brent. North Carolina, Brent, are they a basketball school or a football school now? Well, we were up at Clemson for that. I mean, we almost, if it was a normal time, we probably would have gone to Clemson, North Carolina. Yeah. And, uh, and now, listen, I understand the traditions of the, North Carolina <laughs> basketball. I, I understand. I'm saying right now where it's – Don't confuse that I just said Clemson, North Carolina. Like, I know it's in South Carolina, but okay. Clemson was playing the North Carolina Tar Heels I got last you. night. No, I, I feel like people have that connection. Hopefully, <laughs> so, you were just uh, there. And also, I'll tell you this. Uh, yeah. They ordered from TD's, the restaurant oh, we were at. Oh, those wings, by the way. Those wings were awesome. Did you bring them Tiger back? Fever Did you bring wings. them back? No. Uh, because I smell your breath then? I thought you were going to bring me back some wings. What the heck? I don't think you want to do that. But – you know, they order from to their to go on the road after the game mm-hmm. from TDs. Okay. And I saw the the list of what they were getting. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of wings and all this stuff, right? That mm-hmm. players get. Guess what Roy Williams was eating? The wings. You'll never guess. Oh, what he was for real? What he was the, eating? What, what he, when he took home after the game? Salad. Nope. Okay. What? Oh man. Uh, a grilled cheese sandwich. Nah, that's a good call. But yeah. No. Okay. What is Roy Williams about? You get, I'm going to give you it's on the appetizer menu usually Chicken, in a place. Um, mozzarella sticks. Yes, you got it. 
Mozzarella sticks. Nice call. That do was I know a great my North Carolina basketball? Do I know my North Carolina That's, basketball? I mean, Roy Williams <laughs> eating mozzarella sticks on the way home after the game. That's my fiance's go-to. Like, we'll I was going to say, together. that's my go-to. She she was, no, no kidding. It's your go-to. I didn't think it would be Roy Williams' go-to. I thought he'd have, like, the Ruth's Chris steak. Did they, did they win or they lose? No, they lost. Oh, so that's right. That's your question, right. So the Matt man, Brown yeah. and North Carolina? They're not, they haven't done it long enough to be a football school, but there's a heck of a right buzz right now about their yeah. football program. Sam Howell and company, <laughs> there is about North Carolina and mozzarella sticks. <laughs> Nothing like drowning your sorrows after a rough game with some fried cheese, man. It makes everything feel better. <laughs> hey, let's hit our money minute right now with our friend Mike Lester from Talon Wealth Management. Mike, how you doing? Hope you like yourself some uh, mozzarella sticks along the way as well. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had some mozzarella sticks, but it sounds pretty good right now. Hey, what's uh, the market doing? We've been on the road quite a bit. Uh, yesterday, big day for the market. Yeah, we've had, uh, you know, we're coming off of last week and, um, you know, the conversation we had with GameStop and Reddit and everything going on. Um, and and it just, you know, some concerns, I guess. But overall, I think what the market's going to realize here is um, it's going to be pretty hard to, to dump all the stimulus on the economy, have people going back to work after being vaccinated, and just all that frustration. I mean, people haven't been able to get out and do stuff, haven't been traveling, haven't been going to the theaters, haven't been going out to eat as much. So um, that's likely to make numbers look good in the economy for a while. Um, Got to worry a bit about the back end and uh, inflation, taxes, that kind of a thing. But for now, uh, I think it'll be a little bumpy, but uh, probably pretty good. Mike Lester with Talon Wealth Management's The Money Minute on Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Complimentary analysis and plan. All you have to do is give Mike a call, 904-515-5000, or visit guardingyournestegg.com. One more question, Mike, about what you just mentioned, the GameStop, the Reddit, all that was going on. It feels like since it's come back down a little bit, does that mean it was like a one-off? Is there not staying power and stamina for that kind of effort, even though it looked like it might be headed somewhere? Well, I mean, the, the effort was um, what's called a short squeeze. So basically it went up because uh, the shorts, uh, the hedge funds and whoever was shorting it, they were forced to buy it back uh, on that squeeze, and that drove the price up to a price that was, frankly, uh, higher than what the company was worth. Uh, at, at the end of the day, a company has to be at, at some point worth what it's trading at. And sometimes it'll get above that number, sometimes it'll get below that number, but it eventually it'll get back to um, uh, basically closer to what's called its book value. So with GameStop, it was never worth, you know, $370 or, you know, $400 or, you know, whatever the high was. Um, and it's starting to settle back down. Now they're talking about doing the same thing with silver. Uh, and so, I don't know if they'll they'll be able to do it uh, over and over again. I know people are talking about it, but um, you know, bottom line, if something's overvalued, eventually it's going to go back down. Mike Lester with Talent Wealth Management. I can only imagine over the last few months your phone has probably been ringing <laughs> quite more than normal with all these things happening. But the market grows again today. The Dow Jones up just a little bit here on a Wednesday. Mike, we appreciate your time. Thanks for your knowledge on the Money Minute. Thank you. That's Mike Lester with Town Wealth Management. Give him a buzz, 904-515-5000. Visit guardingyournestegg.com. You can also listen, listen to Guarding Your Nest Egg show on the weekends right here on ESPN 690 for all of your money knowledge with Mike Lester. Complimentary analysis and plan. Just give him a buzz or look him up on the website. We'll take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We continue to uh, talk about some of the happenings on signing day and also Super Bowl 55 football at five on the way in the next hour. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.